to good? actually. Is it, is it good now? How about now? Is it still? Am I ready to go? Is talk, it time to go? Is talk it, normal. I am talking normal. This is nor- this is my normal talk. Oh, is this your normal? I'm talking this your normal inside normal. voice. This is my normal inside voice. I'm being extremely normal right now. Okay. You no, know, I most perfect normal. <laughs> the biggest normal. <laughs> All right, we're good to roll. Ever had. Okay. We're good to roll. So, uh, Thursday night, I was laying in bed watching Little House on the Prairie, like you do. <laughs> and uh, I go, go, to, go to bed pretty early and, you know, blissfully unaware of the goings-ons in the world. And I wake up Friday morning, open up my Twitters, see what's going on. Always a good choice, first thing in the morning. <laughs> and it's all fucking World War Three shit. And, like, I, I do understand that this, the situation as it exists is quite serious. But I certainly uh, got a lot more scared than I think was... Basically, once I finally did figure out what happened, it was, it was quite a bit of a relief. Um, which probably sounds a bit insensitive because it is all very serious. Yeah, it's all, it's all pretty serious. But at least it wasn't like a chain reaction of, like, diplomatic ties between the world's major superpowers just having a domino effect of... Uh, being completely crushed yeah i feel like if that kind of thing happened it would almost not be reported on in a weird way like i feel mm-hmm. like it would all happen so fast like the first you know i think we were talking about this when we brought up the space force like i'm convinced that if we ever were in fact in uh world war three that the first shots fired would be in space and it would be like all the gps satellites which are everything runs on in the united states just be gone yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Th- and those are proprietary so we only lease them and access to them to other countries so they have like their own system maybe with satellites yeah, russia, similar. Has, russia has a, a different one yeah so they have positioning systems that aren't exactly what we have but like if enough of the gps satellites get like taken down um then we like won't be able to operate it like as a military people will be like out on you know a fucking carrier with like a, uh what are, what are those like, things like a lodestone and a <laughs> yeah. what do they call those things the, the, the star compasses yeah, or whatever yeah. the uh yeah. i don't even know what it's called but it's like, really, like everyone out on the deck with their compasses like looking like i think they're all pointing different directions i think north is that way it's like fuck <laughs> well like it's crazy like, because yeah. multiple times in the last uh you know decade there have been uh us uh s whatever's that like crash into like chinese tankers yeah like, slow boats that are just like in the water like sometimes uh, i think both of them may have happened early in the morning or like uh when it was like sort of dark before coffee yeah but like okay. imagine just with the technology that we can bring to bear like colliding with a slow boat in the middle <laughs> of the ocean and <laughs> doing it like twice like having you know the u.s navy had two boats that both did this yeah so I don't yeah. know. When I saw it show up, uh, like all the World War Three shit, like you were saying, Brittany, I, I, the only other thing that was trending was that the Coachella lineup had been announced. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was like, "Holy yeah. shit! Like Coachella must really suck this year. Like what? <laughs> like what? Why is everyone so angry? They're willing to start World War Three over the Coachella lineup? Yeah, yeah. It was like, I'm like, how does Coachella fit into serious shit? But into geopolitics, I don't know. So, for the people who aren't as obsessed with the news cycle as we are, or as anxious about, you know, a uh, world conflagration uh, that have been paying attention to this, um, basically what happened was that in Iraq, 
there was a uh, basically like the the top military commander for the Iranian like military, uh, and they had just uh, the I- Iranian backed militias in the area. I, I forget something something Hezbollah um, had after reportedly uh, you know shooting hundreds of protesters like earlier that week decided to like attack a U.S. embassy. And they like mostly, I don't, did anybody even die? No, nobody died. Okay. Yeah. So nobody died in the embassy attack, but they like fucked up the embassy and they did a, like a photo op, like taking selfies with the, uh, uh, embassy logo, or I guess they weren't selfies, but you know, they were just like, one of them didn't, wasn't wearing a mask, blah, blah, blah. They were bragging about how they attacked this embassy. It's made some sweet TikToks. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> like, uh, allegedly Donald Trump got like, you know, infuriated, uh, when he like saw this and, um, what uh, the military and what a lot of advisors to world leaders will often do is if they have sort of like a plan that they want to go with, they'll give you that plan, like as the president, plus like two other plans, which are like designed to suck and to be ignored so that you go with like the one plan that like they actually want you to go with that like makes sense. Yeah. So like, like, like it, the one that they want you to go for is like murder, 20,000 people and a wedding party. And then like and that's one that they want you to do is like double tap a wedding party, right? And sure. then and then two is uh 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 like level a city and then three is you know just uh archduke Ferdinand. Yeah. yeah. Assass- the, the Assassinate world. General Qasem Soleimani. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just attack a head of state or yeah. something close to it. And they've know? been doing this ever since 9-11 where they like the intelligence community and the DOD like gives presidents like that third terrible option yeah. I feel to like, push them yeah. to move the Overton window on the first two options. Yeah. Well, that that's like ancient. You know, like, sure, it, it, yeah, it, like no, that's a good point. We, we, we spend so much time in these Western democracies, you know, arguing who should be like the guy with the fingers on the buttons or whatever, but we pay almost no attention to the process to which we have the people who tell the guy with the fingers on the button all the information upon which he's going to make a decision as to whether he presses that button. Yeah. And like, you know, that that's a big problem. <laughs> but, uh, you know, supposedly it's like a meritocracy and, you know, they all have like, you know, good track records or whatever. So, you know, just trust them. But apparently this uh, assassinating assassination um, by way of hellfire, I think, um, uh, or, you know, some other type of uh, missile, um, this was brought about by one of the ludicrous options. That's what you guys were saying earlier, right? That's what David was saying, was that it was it was supposed to be that uh, totally out there. He definitely won't pick this option because, you know, decorum and and such. But yeah, yeah, that's what the New York Times has uh, just reported. Anonymous source? Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems like one of those anonymous source things, like, on background. Yeah, uh, af- he, so he first initially rejected the uh, assassinate Soleimani uh, one, and they instead did some airstrikes on uh, uh, Shia militia groups, and then uh, when they started doing the, the, the TikToks at the embassy uh, and setting things on fire, they, uh, uh, he, he was enraged, and he didn't want to you know, be turned into Hillary Clinton with the Benghazi thing. And, uh, uh, and so that's why he decided to assassinate the guy that would, uh, make better, uh, memes on, on Twitter than him. I got into Twitter fights a lot. It was another thing. So he was a poster? Yeah, he was a poster. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he fucking, 
double tap the poster. Because what I uh, did it, when I found this out at like 11 o'clock or whatever, when I was like about to go to sleep, um, uh, is I saw it on Twitter and I saw that, uh, you know, Pre- President Trump, I was like, well, he tweets all the time. He probably said something about this. So I looked up his Twitter and it was just this low res, <laughs> like zoomed in, like sort of cropped. The sixth Google page <laughs> image result of an American flag. Yeah. 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 I, what? Why that I, flag? I, I, I really I want, I, I feel like it's the beginning of like a mixed reality, uh, like treasure hunt thing. Yeah. You know, right? those <laughs> things that were like really popular in like 2015 or something. Yeah. It's just, it's like, another Kofifi or whatever. You uh, know, yeah. it's just this weird, bizarre choice. Places in his tweeting. No, and then, you know, if you go into that that, that image, yeah. right, and you go into the metadata, there is a GPS coordinate, and you go to that GPS coordinate in Google Maps, and there's a cornfield <laughs> that where someone has stamped out it, it, like in like a UFO uh, crop circle, like you know, uh, MAGA. <laughs> it's, it's a Pepe. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, it's a giant Pepe yeah, it's in a, a corn in a cornfield. Uh, but yeah, so that I, w- I was like, oh no, like, what is the response from the president of Iran? So I looked up the president of Iran's uh, uh, Twitter feed, and I was like, oh wait, of course he hasn't posted on Twitter about this. Like, of course, that's like not what you do. It's probably a little like, busy. Yeah, if you're like the head I'm of like state, who's just like on the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, I, yeah, I was like, oh man. What a what a time! What a time where like you know we all nervously watch the Twitter feeds of like you know our diapered president and like various other heads of state or whatever to try to see like when World War Three is going to pop off. But, an ancient Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. Oh, so Iran has been doing um, military exercises with Russia and uh, China, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big deal because those are two uh, serious militaries that. Uh, you know, have experience in uh, sort of military designed around countering the U.S. military. And I think that's actually why there's a lot of anxiety around this notion of World War Three. Yeah, it's because this is actually much, much like World War Two, you know, it's in, in World War One. It's it's a potential global, a, a, a series of global relationships that could lead us into something a bit more than like a proxy war, which is, you know, has been our lives since the cold war uh yeah it could uh, you know as well as the oh, lives of everybody in those proxies yeah <laughs> you know, like yeah yeah no it's it's yeah, it's crazy yeah okay i was just looking at Ahmadinejad's uh twitter account and he hasn't tweeted since november oh come on mahmoud give me the tweets <laughs> yeah like he was such a good poster and he and he did uh and he followed back uh uh he followed back uh virgil texas that yeah one yeah time. That, yeah that, 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 that was a funny, a funny twitter <laughs> that moment that, i like yeah. that a lot uh, yeah that, that was <laughs> that was great great moments of the of the decade yeah, in ver- twitter so uh there have been you know chris when it when it when it first happened chris pops into the into the group chat and says like so what do we do guys uh do we like revolt and you know cynical britney i always have to be that bitch it's like well i mean if the if the protests in 2003 against you know our our oil wars then were so unsuccessful i just don't really i think it's only gotten harder since then but there have been these like pretty massive uh anti-war protests all across the u.s um rallies organized by the act now to stop war and end racism aka answer don't you love it when an acronym just really like when it yeah. all comes together? Oh, I love yeah. it. 
on their website, they listed protests in dozens of U.S. cities. So there was, you know. Yeah, there's one in Albany today. There's one in D. Oh, is there one? Yeah. yeah. And we're sitting here just podcasting away. God damn it. I've been to that march before. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there was like one in D.C., Chicago, New York, you know. So Colorado. So, you know, I mean, I guess it's like. It's cool that people care enough to make a sign and go out in the street. But I think I saw something on might have been on the subreddit Black People Twitter where it was like somebody said, you know, if you're storming embassies and, you know, being being violent, then that's not a quote unquote protest. And the, the reply to it on Twitter was like, white people think that protests are when you spend 30 minutes making a sign with a Harry Potter pun. And walk along a police prescripted route <laughs> through your right. city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's the the march that I know is going on in Albany right yeah. now. It's just it's like like walk a block and then hear someone say, "We got to get Drumpf and his carrot butt out of the Oval Office." It's literally yeah. virtue it's, signaling. Yeah, like, it is sort of what so virtue bad. signaling used to mean before it became yeah. like a woke scold Twitter thing. Well, yeah, and there's there's also like for everything's really complex, right? So like. One one of the things that I saw before this went off, when it was just the embassy um, attack that happened, was a uh, repost of uh, somebody from Chapo. I think it was like Will Menneker's uh, thing by a guy uh, who I follow who has another podcast called uh, Popular Front. And he's a war, a war correspondent uh, from uh, the UK named Jake Hanrahan. And he was just saying like, yo, these guys, because it, it was Will had reposted the thing and said, unironically love to see it. And uh, Jake Hanrahan was like, you know that these guys that are attacked to this embassy had just like murdered hundreds of like nonviolent protesters, right? Like in the streets, like earlier this week, like these aren't people that you want to be championing unless like, you know what they're really about. And like, you know, you're uh, on that uh, front. And here you're talking about like Soleimani and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And that whole contingency that attacked the embassy. So like, um, you know, that wasn't, I I mean, what is a protest? What's an insurrection? I don't know. But like when you when you're armed and you're attacking a uh, structure, I think that it goes beyond protest. Like you know, which is say there's like there are merits for you know uh, uh, insurrection in specific circumstances that personally I would say like yeah, it's probably worth it or whatever. And like I think that uh, people in Iraq have every reason to be incredibly angry and like fed up with the United States. Um, you know, like we did like kill, I think like a million of them or something over the last decade, um, or two, uh, yeah. It was more so, than two. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's, a uh, it's a really fucked up situation and trying to figure out how and what the U S should do. I mean, like I'm and have been of the camp for a very long time where you just pull the fuck out entirely. Like I think and that, that we, and that's what the Iraqi parliament wants us to do now. Right. They yeah. Just, yeah, this made they, a resolution uh, to get all American troops out of oh, they did, Iraq. Yes. So, uh, I you know, I hope that Iraq and Iran become best buddies now. We had to, you know, like we we made Iraq fight Iran, you know, in the eighties, it'd be or seventies. When was the Iran Iraq war? Oh shit, I don't remember. Uh, maybe oh, maybe the eighties. Yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, like. Turns out we're not a history of the Middle East podcast. Yeah, we do our best. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that the whole situation over there is like massively fucked up. Yep. Uh, and the chances of it getting uh, better anytime soon with a lot of U.S. involvement is incredibly low. Uh, but then again, like, I, you know, don't know what the hell happens. Like, 
you know, uh, largely I think the story of ISIS is like what happens when you have a, you know, imperialist war, like dominate and kill a whole bunch of people and then largely pull out is like, you have things like ISIS pop off. Right. Um, and so maybe pulling out is going to create like something like that, maybe worse, who knows, maybe it would bring about, you know, somewhat of a chance of those you know, the people in these com- countries where we're occupying having a uh, real chance at self-organization. But like, who knows? I'm not a military buff. I just think that the whole uh, situation of outspending the rest of the world's militaries combined uh, is untenable. And like wherever we, however we can get to a position where we're not just constantly in military engagements <laughs> on, on a global front, um would be uh you know excellent to to bring that future about trump yeah. has always struck me as a guy that says he'll he'd, he'll pull out and never does <laughs> oh, oh. high five i'm fine myself that's inappropriate and up, uh, problematic yeah. problematic so <laughs> i just can't see what's going to happen in this case like you know killing Soleimani was like the equivalent of like assassinating like the head like our donald secretary. rumsfeld yeah or like our secretary uh of, of state you know like ex-cia uh mike pompeo on a diplomatic mission if he was just like hit by an Iranian drone, just blown the fuck up, yeah. which would be if there was to be like actual like uh, retaliation in par, that's what they should do. But if they're going yeah. to... <laughs> Chris, no, not with it. <laughs> all right, all right, we're ending no. that. <laughs> allegedly, just, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, it would, it would be uh, not an appropriate thing to assassinate Donald Rumsfeld. Jesus that would Christ. be a bad thing to do. No, guys, but, Psychic, Dolphin, not, Psychic Dolphin Garage Pod that. just got like put in Twitter jail, and now yeah, you real. guys are fucking right. getting oh, wild on getting wild on Maine. <laughs> this is Gucci on Maine shit right here. So I guess what, I, what I'm really good trying stuff. to say is like I can't see because of just the nature of like war, and I do see this as an act of war. I can't understand how they wouldn't see this as an act of war so as far as like the next step that happens likely going to happen where a bunch of americans are killed maybe a combination of civilians and and uh service people maybe entirely service people but the real question will be if and when that happens maybe it never happens but if it does uh what we do in response as like a nation and like if we i can't see us not doing anything but further escalating it and then everybody who's speaking out against further escalation because there's no point in us going to war with iran just for any listeners who might be curious about my personal feelings on it like they're not surprise a, surprise we're not pro war with yeah, iran yeah, on this podcast i mean like the iranians are just like people just like us and they're also not have any strategic reason to want to attack us like especially like in our quote-unquote homeland I even mean, the word have, is like insanely dystopic we, we have so many bases that surround that entire country you know, that I don't expect them, they could even possibly get to us unless it was like some sort of like cyber infrastructural uh, warfare stuff, which is possible. But, yeah. but like, imagine like getting any sort of war material out of their country when we have a base uh, at like every border. Yeah, like, yeah. you could throw a rock from... A, a, a stone you could throw a stone from any military base 
Yeah, it, but when it when and if it happens, if I'm I'm going to be out there protesting and saying we do nothing, we do nothing in retaliation. <laughs> we just like this is fall fucked up, and like let's work toward like easing tensions and trying to not like get into a global conflagration because it's not worth it. Do you like guys, nothing's worth that. Do you guys remember that uh, Mad TV sketch where it was uh, a Steve Jobs type coming out on stage? Oh, actually, I think they said it was Steve Jobs, and he uh, he's going to introduce the Iraq. To put all of your devices in, you know, like oh, the I R A C K, and he's like, the Iraq is welcome by everybody, <laughs> and, like, and like the I, uh, and then uh, it's like starts smoking, and like, so and then an audience member goes, the the Iraq is unstable. I think it's gonna blow. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, boy, the oh. Iraq is smoke. Yeah, uh, and and just uh, St- the Steve Jobs is like constantly like assuring everyone that Iraq is fine and that there's nothing wrong with Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is like no the iraq is clearly unstable uh, that's a good joke it was a good bit it was really the narrative in the media is going to be that like well uh, like uh, 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 iran is uh, a dangerous country that could strike us they're going to make it seem like they are a much bigger threat to us than they actually are and then uh that will help uh at least excuse some sort of military action right he's just like well because they they could they could, they're a threat to us but it's, it's already happening yeah, yeah of mean, course it's, it's already yeah. and it's been happening for decades since you know like axis of evil yeah. shit right so, so, so there there was this explanation requested because the media narrative immediately picked up on like that Soleimani was like an enemy of the U.S. and that we've been monitoring him for a long time and he was responsible for like hundreds of American service people's deaths and blah 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 and people were like oh what what how is this guy who we'd never heard of in the popular you know conscience yeah this is like, no Bin Laden like this is not a well known figure to the United States yeah but th- the explanation is that he was like the head of a like whole military that that we, we did end up doing a bunch of things that killed like hundreds of people because like we've been in proxy wars with this military. So like the the deaths of uh, uh, American servicemen that are being chalked up to him are the deaths of like the wars that we're fighting. Like mm-hmm. it, like you know in the sense of like this is just he's responsible you know uh, by definition for any you know casualties in the various proxy wars that we're involved in. And apparently like um, IEDs like vehicle flipping IEDs were the primary cause of death of yeah. that is being attributed to this guy. Yeah, but you know, it's like uh it's soldiers sent by uh someone named Mad Dog Mattis, right? <laughs> like on our side. Right? You know, like we like how did he kill all those American troops? We sent them like to his doorstep. Yeah, or uh, or doorsteps to places around the world, yeah, yeah that were yeah. just, you know, like whether it be Iraq or, you know, various um other conflict zones. Um Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like, God damn, like, I don't know. It's, it's very uh, worrying because, uh, there's, there's a functional need for us to keep going to war. And this is like the whole, uh, you know, military industrial complex, like argument at, at its simplest. It's that we have millions upon millions of people's jobs in every state in the United States tied to currently the implements and you you know materials that are utilized in global conflict and like at the minimum i think we need to retool a lot of that because like how do you 
how like that that isn't it's like climate change right like you can't attribute any specific storm to climate change except that you know that we keep getting more extreme and horrible storms like what's going on you know right now the fires uh in australia etc and you just like that you have this thing where it's like we have an entire economy built upon going to war across the globe and like being constantly in conflict so it and, just like raises the ambient possibility of wars breaking out yeah just all the time yeah like we're pumping a shit ton of weapons into it, the world in really, fact you know. it, it, if we don't go to war all the time if we actually like were to politically like make peace with everybody what would we be making all these weapons for like like i i it's like i don't know which one's the chicken or the egg like whether or not we need to change our economy to be like anti or or just a peacetime economy like before we can have global peacetime or if we need to have global peacetime before we can retool our you know uh to a peacetime economy i am ready for global peacetime but anyway, so, uh, I, th- I think that it's uh, you have to do both at the same time, but, yeah. right? Because you can't just you, you can't overnight transition either of those, and, and by overnight I mean over the course of ten years. Like yeah, you yeah. can't transition either of those without yeah. the other, and that's why we need to push for further left candidates and and representatives, not just in the presidency, but in the House, in the Senate, at state level legislatures, because we have to start taking all of that fucking money that we're wasting helping brown people blow each other up and put it into a more robust healthcare system, you know, a more robust um, uh, green energy economy, better infrastructure, like all of those people just need to be employed for the well-being of the American citizenry and not in you know destroying the lives of millions of people in third world countries like that's really the only answer here yeah like stopping the aumf should be like table stakes for any politician you know like there's this whole idea since the war on terror was you know declared of just perpetually giving like essentially carte blanche permissions and a blank check to you know this gigantic apparatus of um, you know, surveillance and um, assassination and 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 uh, global, um, you know, like war. Don't worry, though, is Elizabeth Warren wants to make the military green. Right? Wasn't that part of her, <laughs> yes. her her environmental plan was like a green military? And like, yeah. no, no, we're still definitely going to. Ha- I mean, this is a classic Elizabeth Warren move, right? Oh, it's yeah, like, absolutely. like, no, everything will remain mostly the same. But it will also have, you know, like uh, one, we'll have of, solar one of your powered tanks yeah, or well, something. Well, yeah. like your favorite NGO will have a new job selling what part of the government, like a new kind of way of doing the same old shit in a new with a eco new wrapper groovy, on it. Eco groovy greenwashing of the, you know, it, 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 to her credit, she's pointing out one of the biggest ecological uh, devastation causes and saying, like, if we were to and this is entirely within the um jurisdiction of the u.s state right to you know cut down on you know carbon emissions and everything else like we could start with the military because like they're like the biggest i think the military is as big a polluter as like any single oil like i think they're like as big a polluter as exxon i may be wrong on that but like they're massively uh detrimental to yeah but also like where where do you think like all the greenhouse gases from exxon go right it's to the military right so it's it's all connected in that terrible way and and, and as you say like as we were saying earlier um the fact that we have so much of our economy tied up in it it's also the consumption of what 
like everybody's making and, and buying in the process of, you know, keeping it all going. Military is- needs to invade a country with a more temperate climate so we don't have to spend so much on air conditioning. See, there you go, Liz. Ugh. Doing great. Ugh. Get at me. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> third, third in Iowa. You're, it's going to be you, David. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a good way to segue to um, organizing against incarceration in upstate New York. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Speaking yeah. of like diverting, diverting funds from the police state uh, to actual like social services and the health and well-being of the citizenry. Um, this comes from a, uh, Vera article. David, you shared this. What is, do you know anything about Vera, the publication, or did you just kind of stumble upon? Yeah. Uh, this was sent, uh, to me by, uh, Andy Battle, uh, when I was talking to him and Sean of Antifada, uh, about, about, yeah, about New York and a couple other things happening there. So, uh, so thanks, Andy. Cool. So the article mostly follows this organization called, organization called Justice and Unity for the Southern Tier. Just. Again. The left is getting their acronym (laughs) game on point. It's a sign of things to come. I think, you know, once you get the acronyms together, like everything starts falling into place. Absolutely. Yes. That is a precursor for any successful left movement. Lenin said that. He did. Also an acronym. V-I. You know, know, he had a V-I, Lenin, you know. He didn't go full names. Right. Very, very good branding. V-I, Lenin. Excellent. Mm -hmm. R.L. Stein. J.K. Rowling. (laughs) CJ Craig, <laughs> been watching West Wing. Um, so, just is basically like a local to Broome County grassroots movement for ending mass incarceration. And the story is really it's it starts off very kind of, kind of like a story that that shouldn't be uh, surprising to any of us, but is still very disturbing. It's a man named Robert Card who uh, was incarcerated, and he had a brain tumor. And the jail in which he was incarcerated denied him access to his anti-seizure medication. And he had multiple seizures. He, had a, he suffered a severe head injury. They gave him Tylenol. And then eventually when he slipped into what seems to be like a coma, they rushed him to the hospital where he died. Holy shit. And the rushing to the hospital, you'd think, well, at least in the, like they eventually did the right thing. But it turns out that in the way that you report deaths in a prison... If you don't die in the prison, they you they don't have to count it. They don't have to report it. They don't to... have to report it. Yeah. So if they if they just get you out the door and then you die, yeah, it's oh. like fucking Disney World. Yeah. Whoa. That's exactly like, whoa. what I was thinking of too. <laughs> Florida kids remember. Whoa. <laughs> Only Florida Florida kids know about the weird rule where no one dies in Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. That's a no, thing. No one dies in Disney. No World, one dies in Disney World. Like, World. D- d- they d- rush d- you out of the park yeah. if you're about to die. Some, somebody's decapitated and they're like, nobody dies in Dis- St- Disney World. And they're, they're like, back on. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, technically the brain's actually still alive for like 45 <laughs> seconds. They just like drop kick your head it's, over it's, the It's the case. <laughs> It's the canary in uh, Dumb and Dumber, where he just like tapes it back on. <laughs> aww, aww. I forgot Pretty about that bird. scene. I forgot Pretty about bird. that scene. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I blocked that scene out of my mind. Um. So what? what What's really disturbing is that shortly before his death, Robert Card called a close friend and said, the jail is killing me. So, like, imagine you're incarcerated, you know that you have, like, there's a life-saving medication that you're being denied, and you know that you're going to die here, and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. I mean, really, like... Horrifying. Horrifying shit. Um, 
Now, did the article talk at all about the justification used to deny this life-saving medicine? No. Um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with... So, so one thing about Broome County is that its, its opioid overdose rate is twice that of New York State. And so a lot of local law enforcement tries to perpetuate the perception and literally gives presentations and says this to like parents um, that if uh, addicts won't seek treatment, they belong in jail because that's where they will be, quote unquote, safe. Uh, one advocate and a parent of a child who died of overdose said, this is Alexis Plus said, they're touted as experts and they sit in front of audiences and say, you should have your kid arrested if they won't get help. And they tout this as a positive path. So families literally think that this is a solution and it's not. So I don't know how much of that is wrapped up in uh, these jails not doling out prescribed medications. But you, like, I think another important aspect of it is that as healthcare and other community social services are being de-invested, disinvested, de-invested, which, are, you know, they're, ha- they're getting less and less resources, the carceral system and the, including like the courts and the police and the actual jails themselves are receiving more and more investment. They're higher and higher budgets. Um, this was a distinction that me and Loretta Piles made in our strike wave article. The direct cor- like connection there is that, you know, after the Great Recession, uh, SUNY w- got its funding cut like dramatically and it was never replaced like the direct state funding to universities. Which universities, which are the biggest, uh, uh, and still are, but it's gone down. Like still, the the biggest employer in the in the state, yeah, th- that has gone down. Tuition ac- accounts for more of it, and at the exact same time, uh, we're you know we're building prisons. Uh, it's, it, and that I, funding flow never reverses itself. Yeah, no, it and never does. the more the more funding that the carceral system receives, obviously. I mean, maybe this is like a a kind of like dumb thing to even point out but like when they build 600 new beds in a jail they will fill those beds yeah like that you know that probably like goes without saying but you know at the same time that Broome county's population has fallen significantly and especially binghamton binghamton's population has fallen by nearly half since the 1950s and yet its local jail capacity has increased sixfold because so and they sell those jails as places to get jobs Absolutely. Right. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. They start to suck up entire local economies. And so it's not just for local people in these jails, right? Like they are importing prisoners as well. Cause like how, how could they, how could they do that? That'd be like multiplying their amount of per, per capita imprisonment by like 12. Well, well, yeah, it does. And a lot of it goes hand in hand with the opo- opioid crisis. A lot of people filling these jails are addicts, like people who desperately need mental health treatment and you know physical health treatment uh drug addiction treatment it's also uh, ice like batavia facility out west is like uh you know like where they transfer a lot of people before they deport them and poverty breeds breeds crime so like the as these places become more economically depressed there's there's just like lots more reasons to throw people in jail there's more homelessness there's more you know all of those compounding factors that result in somebody being incarcerated, which most of which are related to being poor. Um, you know, they kind of all work together to create this soup of like, um, you know, increasingly disenfranchising the most marginalized, most uh, like vulnerable populations in our, in our society. Uh, it just kind of all perpetuates itself. 
of all places is that, that a t- tv show castle rock on hulu that's like amalgamation of all the different stephen king novels uh there's a part where a a, a prison security guard uh tells someone like do you think if there was a walmart here i'd be a prison guard but I work at the prison because there's nowhere else to work. Yeah, somebody's saying, well, if you hate yeah. it so much, why don't you leave your job? And he's like, it's the entire local economy is, yeah. is the jail. And that's, and that's very true for it, places in Maine where that's set. But, uh, you know, uh, upstate New York, the North Country, is incre- it's increasingly true and also out West. Especially I, rural areas. And a lot of these are even rural areas that have like upwards of 90% white populations. So obviously you can't talk about mass incarceration without talking about race, but like this is also happening in very rural white parts of the state as well. And I think that's something that's important to keep in mind is that this is very often like so wrapped up in class and socioeconomic factors. Yeah, well, well there's a, is that a Kianga Yamada Taylor quote? Uh, the privileges of white skin run very thin in a country where 19 million white people languish in poverty. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, it's the class dimension of uh, uh of race right is that Absolutely. like you're, you're more likely to be poor if you're not white but uh and also having still wealth keep a lot of white people poor yeah and having wealth won't protect you if you're a person of color the way that it often will if you're white right but that doesn't mean that you know poor whites have a level of privilege that you know people in the middle or upper classes from other backgrounds have yeah and a lot of incarceration is very class-based I mean, I guess what, what else is there? So some of Just's goals, that's the justice and unity um, in the Southern tier goals, are to abolish cash bail. A lot of these will sound very familiar to anybody yeah. who's, in, who's you know familiar with mass incarceration reform, but uh, abolish cash bail, advocate for healthy solutions to social and economic problems, more community health care for mental health and substance abuse. And on this one's really important is to fiercely oppose all reforms that further invest in police, jails, courts, and prosecutors. Mm. Like that to me is part of the biggest challenge that we face is like staunching the bleeding of resources into the, you know, into the, the violent, like um, the violent arm of the state. Yeah. The administration of the incarceral state. Yes, absolutely. And that is very I think that's a real challenge for if, if for no other reason than a lot of these like city and county budgets are very opaque. Like it's hard to even know what your city is spending its money on, much sure. less have any say over what it spends its money on. It's also interesting because we live in a, you know, I, I personally live in a neighborhood where everybody is like hyper supportive of the police mm-hmm. and like loves the intrusive cameras and is like, more worried about like random acts of violence that have happened in isolated, like personal disputes in and around the neighborhood as like a crime wave that they need protection from than like any type of worry about wasting of resources on, you know, just like over policing in my opinion, like every one of the mayoral candidates for Troy, uh, would have the same platform. It was like more cops, more cameras. We're going to start like hooking up with the police department to like give away ring cameras, like the doorbell cameras. Cause like we want to establish like a street level surveillance system that the police have access to. And Amazon has been uh, like pretty public about <laughs> the uh, goal of roping in uh, local police in, in, in every municipality into their uh, ring camera system and applying um, algorithmic uh, monitoring to the, 
um, uh, the, the ring cameras for like facial recognition and various other things so that uh, people can, you know, who are wanted or whatever can be found easier. And also people who are deemed quote unquote suspicious uh, by mostly algorithms because once again, people aren't watching their ring cameras, but Amazon is and uh, the police can if they want to. Um, and they, uh, you know, you can have automated police tipping uh, going on by wit of, you know, these ring cameras deciding that somebody walking by looks quote unquote suspicious. I wonder how they decide who looks suspicious. Yeah. Mm, so objectively, they figure it out. Right, objectively. Right, so so yeah. there's no discussion uh, as counterpoints to any of these things in local government. And I see, you know, just like this big push to like, let everybody know how afraid you are of the, your neighborhood and like cause other people to, to be, you know, uh, afraid or fear that, uh, feel that there needs to be a greater level of security, then have essentially like the Overton window be defined by like the three assholes that like got it together to be mayoral campaigns with exactly the same platform. platform. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, this is just, you know, like very normal, very normal kind of uh, place. So yeah, figuring out how to, uh, build public opposition to uh, over uh, incarceration is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly difficult because it's like you have to tell these scared people like, you know, especially like boomers and stuff like uh, what if I told you that the uh, police and incarceral system was bad actually? Yeah. You know, and they're like, um, wrong. That's a massive <laughs> paradigm shift yeah, for probably yeah, a good ninety percent of the U.S. Too citizenry. I would them. say, yeah. to, you know. Well, one thing, one that that I've been playing with as like anti ring doorbell uh, propaganda is I've been going on the, every time I find uh, an article about how they are not secure, like people can hack into your yeah. camera. Uh, I post that shit on on like TNAC, on like the Troy area. Troy area. Oh uh, yeah, act, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Get people yeah. Uh, paranoid and scared of that. Yeah. So yeah, just get them paranoid about the camera itself, and that and I do get some like scared emoji reacts to that. So nice. Like, that, there you that, go. That might work. Is there uh, a scared emoji? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, like the, the uh, pale blued face with like the mouth open. Like uh, yeah. Oh. Wow, stuff has changed yeah. since I was on Facebook. Uh, but there's yeah, a, uh, yeah and uh, also uh, you know Rita Caroline Haskins. She was at Vice, and now at buzzfeed and she uh is uh, like most of the stuff that we know about uh amazon's cooperation with uh police departments and trying to get police departments to be like ring doorbell salesmen uh come from her and it can't be overstated what a key element of like a fascist state that is yeah is these really close relationships between private uh uh, private entities and the state yeah. specifically for with the ends of controlling the masses like, and, that and, is yeah. how you get that's like step one yeah to building a fascist state and, and and let's not forget that that's like uh it's it's a it's an old tactic uh definitely but also in the united states particularly you know in the 70s the national sheriff's association was the one that started all those neighborhood watch groups mm -hmm. in mostly white neighborhoods yeah, yeah. So you ever see those signs like this is a neighborhood watch community and like just yeah, like yeah. the whole rash of yeah. what the hell a neighborhood watch is a whole uh, Zimmerman like vigilante justice bullshit uh, started by the, the sheriff's, the National Sheriff's Association. Interesting. Like that's a that's counterpoint. A de that's deliberate. Devil's advocate. I just saw somebody on next door post that their ring camera picked up a coyote in their yard. That's cool. That is valuable info <laughs> to have. Folks, if you got house cats 
out and about, try to bring them in at night. Yeah. If you're scared of coyotes, they're scared of coyotes. Maybe, bring them inside. Maybe it was uh, the coyote that caused Marla to run. Or no, I think it was, I think it was late night fireworks. I think that was what was going on. So we had this. But she's uh, home safe. Yeah, she's home safe. It, it, it was like 18 hours or something. But um, we had this rager of a New Year's party. And there were like all these fr- friends over that came. And um, uh, so the cats were like hiding upstairs the whole night. But then once it got quiet, we let them downstairs where they have access to the cat door and everything. And uh, Marlo was like really chill that night. Uh, but then we couldn't find her in the morning and we couldn't find her in the evening. It wasn't until like 8 or 9 p.m. that she just comes like strolling in and is like totally filthy and freaked out like, you know, like any little movement I'd make would make her like sort of jump. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was a coyote. I think it was a uh, fireworks. So I think Probably somebody fire. yeah. lit I doubt you have fireworks. coyotes in such a dense. Yeah. The coyotes were like out by us, like out in the burbs. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. Hunting. Hunting. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like all of these issues are wrapped up in each other, right? These mm-hmm. The close cooperation between private industry and the carceral state um, the the role of, you know, socioeconomic depression and disenfranchisement. Uh, one of the things that they mentioned in this article on Just is that um, addicts who, people who are addicted to opioids who go into the carceral system, by the time they come out, they're twice as likely to die of an overdose than uh, people who are addicted to these substances but were never incarcerated. Wow, I wonder what that causal... So, part- so one of the things that they say in it is... Um, that it, you know, contributes to all, it just basically like uh, makes worse all of the things that contribute to uh, addiction in the first place. You know, you, the shaming, the alienation, the feeling separate from society, the coming out of the incar- of the carceral system with now diminished opportunities to find work, to build social networks. And those are all things that, A, drive you to drug use in the first place, but then, you know, B, like, perpetuate that cycle of of needing drugs to feel good, you know? Well, there's also something very specific about opiates that you're at risk of that happening is because, you know, you develop a, a tolerance, right? And, uh, and, and at least black market opiates, you know, it's it's kind of difficult to tell what the um what do, what your dosage is especially if it's heroin uh and you'll uh uh and so that's why you it's important to like stick with the same dealer because you know you usually have a better ch- chance of knowing what you're getting mm. all the time and then when you get in jail you'll either get a dosage that you're not expecting right because like you, you know you can get heroin in in, in prison and uh, and it might be much stronger than what you usually get, and so you'll OD that way, or you won't get any uh, your fix in jail, and then you uh, and then once you get out and you want a hit again because of what Brittany just talked about, you know, um, uh, you'll you'll go get your the normal dosage that you that you always got. But your tolerance has gone down and then you OD that way. Or you have to find a new source because you've been away for three years and hey, hello, here's some fentanyl that you didn't realize was fentanyl. And yeah, I mean, there's myriad factors for why it um, contributes to higher rates of. But, you know, and it's not even just like that. So in these Broome County jails, like there are a lot of other really fucked up factors that are probably also contributing to the opioid crisis. Um, but, but that are also just demonstrative of how corrupt this carceral system is. Um, there have been reports of very suspicious deaths, uh, falsified medical records, 
so that they can maintain, so that these hospitals affiliated with the jails maintain their accreditation and their funding. Prisoners uh, uh, losing access to things like insulin, inhalers. I mean, these are all things that, so, so magically, you know, somebody goes into like diabetic shock because you've denied them their insulin for a week. And now you just rush them to the hospital. They get to die there. You don't have to report that suspicious death. Um, so it's really just like, you know, it's so di- fucking dystopian. Like it's, it's the, the, the kinds of conditions that literally were like early German concentration camps. Like these are the factors that contributed to, that have contributed to so many kind of like the early stages of, um, Genocide. Yeah, yeah, genocide. I mean, I, I don't. I I know that that's like a, a, a tricky of, subject. It, it, I don't mean to overstate it, yeah, but it's like a level of dehumanization that's happening on a systematic level, and you know, is being supported by the state and by all of the power. You know, powerful people are like, yeah, this is cool. And it wasn't just the Nazis. Like Britain did the same thing with their colonial holdings in Africa, where they would put people in camps. They're literally camps, and just deny them medical access to the point where they sort of take care of themselves in, in that way. You know, d- diseases get introduced. People natural don't causes. Natural, exactly, yeah. Um, well, they're dirty people to begin with. And it's uh, the same so. thing that we're doing to these children that we're putting in camps on, yeah. the, on the border and out west. Um, you know, if, if you, there's no need for gas chambers if you just, like, make sure that everybody gets and stays sick and deny them basic human necessities. And it, it's like all of these uh, systems of dehumanization like the more that we as a society tolerate any one of them, the more we are okay and normalized with tolerating more and, and, and further. And so I think like we were talking about the, you know, fear of the war that might be breaking out with Iran, you know, in the sense of a hot war with like the, not just a continuation, I guess, of the ongoing wars, but um, that, the othering of countries and saying like, you know, these weapons of war, these AR-15s have no place on our streets. Yeah. Implying like, yeah, they have a place over there, like in, you know, I don't know, Tehran. Yeah, or thanks, like, Mayor Pete. You know, yeah. like, there's there's no place for these weapons on any streets, right? If they, or they have a place on every street. It's like, what the fuck is the deal with the, these other streets, like over there with like bad people, hypothetically, that, you know, want to do us harm and hate our freedoms or whatever. Like this idea of somehow being able to stomach the war uh, system is is part and parcel with, I think, our capability as a society to stomach the carceral system, which was part and parcel with our society to stomach the slave system. And like everything that is going on, you know, especially considering the fact that we do have modern slavery in both private and public prisons in the form of uh, forced work with like little or no remuneration. And yeah, so anyway, it's just, it's totally fucked. And I think that like, we really need to, I don't know, push, shove the Overton window so far to the left and so close to, you know, screaming from the rooftops, the inalienable human rights of all human beings and the fact that like we're all you know equal and valid and have an equal right and ability to live in you know have uh well-being and that like we need to just make that the normal again (laughs) which like corresponds to a lot of the rhetoric that like you know even classic american you know conservative people or whatever like to uh, espouse but it's so obviously not the way that we feel as like a people you know like there are varying levels of importance and um you know 
uh, replaceability or like, uh, you know, we're far too uh, comfortable with uh, the dehumanization of each other than, you know, I think we, we need to be. Amen. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even like that level of compassion has to be taught. It actually has to be untaught. It has to be beaten out of us from such a young age that like we are more deserving than those other people. This is not like a natural state of the human psyche to be hyper competitive and to other, you know, to other eyes, like certain populations. It's like it's learned behavior through media and through the educational system. And so like that's, you know, there, there, it's it's um, we, we are indoctrinated to fear to have this kind of tribal fear and people who are incarcerated. Well, they deserve to be incarcerated. Don't break the law if you don't want to get shot by the police and you don't want to get thrown in jail. Don't want to do um, the time. Don't do the crime. You know, yeah. Maybe those dirty Iraqis should like get their shit together and, you know, stop like worshiping the wrong God and stop, uh, you know, being immoral in ways that we have imposed on them if they didn't want war in their country forever. The Middle East has been at war for centuries. But just saying how popular and incredibly racist of of sentiments those things are. And historically so inaccurate. popular in America. It's like yeah, I know. So it's historically like- inaccurate. When you tell people that the Ottoman Empire was one of the most peaceful and the most long-lasting empires in the history of the world, like that does not compute for so many people. Well, you see, it's a clash of civilizations. Yeah. And when it's a war about religion... <sighs> Then you know it's where's the middle ground? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's, uh, yeah, it's messed up. It's messed up, and uh, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I wildly slingshotting, slingshotting between uh, uh, being like hyper cynical and being like hyper optimistic. <laughs> like I just finished reading uh, uh, Kropotkin's uh, Conquest of Bread, and it's so fire. Please, if real you quick. So we actually yeah. are, and I, I may do it. For the end of this episode. Okay. Um, if not, then it'll be for the next episode. But I am going to start doing a, a narration of um, the chapters. Each each chapter of Conquest of Bread is sort of like a self-contained essay. So I'm yeah. going to do, I'm going to narrate a couple of those for the pod. Um, and that may or may not be at the end of this episode. Let's say it'll be at the end of next episode. We'll, yeah. do, we'll do that. That way I have some cushion. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it in the next, uh, the next uh, free episode. Yes, the next, Sweet. the next main, 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 yeah, main on main. <laughs> the next Gucci main episode. Uh, so getting uh, bread on main. Yeah. <laughs> so reading this book, like which was written, you know, in 1892, uh, is just it's very life affirming. It's like yes, this is, I think, the way the world actually is, and like yes, I do think it's totally uh, not only plausible but inevitable that the human species will like in our, it, it, you know. It, take on the goal and, you know, create, um, anarcho-communism. Like, I think that that is where the future of humanity is like long-term destined for. Cause I think that for all the reasons in the book, um, there's a lot of, uh, evidence to suggest that's where we're going and evidence to suggest that's like where we ought to go. But it, that, uh, goes away when I like <laughs> go outside and like run into people who are like really, really reactionary, like to their bones, like, you know, full in full defense of the status quo whenever it is in the wrong. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, right now, uh, I, I've been trying, uh, struggling. It's like, what's that song? It's like, how am I going to be an optimist about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this week uh, this year is uh, off to a uh, off to the races. Bit, a bit of a rocky start, I would say. Bit of a rocky start to twenty twenty. An, an Iraqi start. 
Oh. Get out of here. Get out. I'm sorry. You're that kicked was, off the pot. That was inappropriate. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. You know me. I love a good pun joke. I'm sorry. I'm getting in my ear some breaking news uh, that uh, hackers claiming to be from Iran take control of U.S. government website, the Federal Depository Library Program, and it's a picture of Trump getting punched. <laughs> Owned. What? By, by, by a fist labeled Iran. Oh, Iran's gonna punch Trump in the jaw. Owned. They've, ha- they've hacked into what now? I'm sorry, I don't... The, the Federal Depository Library Program. FDLP.gov. Okay. Oh man, there's gonna uh, be some federal library. So Iran has posted be... this image to people claiming to be from Iran. Yeah, uh, hackers claiming to be from Iran take took control of a U.S. government website dedicated to the Federal Depository Library Program. If you go to it now, it just won't load. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It, it says something like uh, I don't know. Is uh, one translation that I'm reading is something like it's a. Uh, this is only small part of iran's cyber ability mm. some federal librarians gonna eat very, their hat yeah very unhappy librarians right now i don't believe that it's from iran i think that's but uh that's cool oh boy it's happening more like pokemon go fuck up the military's operation <laughs> <laughs> or, or actually uh, i'm just chilling in a u.s <laughs> airbase catching pokemon <laughs> Um, so, uh, this article begins, um, seemingly out of nowhere, civilians started driving onto Canadian military bases at odd hours and wandering into government property in July 2016, distracted by their cell phone screens. Military officials did not know what to make of it. So basically, these fucking Canadians start wandering onto military bases, trying to catch Pokemon. And the Canadian military, Canadian military officials had no fucking clue why they were doing this or how to stop them from doing it. Um, (laughs) As Major Jeff Monaghan, an official based in Kingston, Ontario, wrote in an email, please advise the commissioners that apparently Fort Frontenac is both a pokey gym and a pokey stop. I will be completely honest in that I have no idea what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> I mean, they say they like found a mom and her two kids on a tank or something. Yeah. yeah. And they also found a dad who said that he was trying to get more Pokemon than his kids had. Yeah. They're um, in, in a race to invade this military base. Man, Pokemon Go is such a simpler wonderful time and we should say that that's not happening now no it it was only just released yes it was only just uh yeah yeah, some documents just came out that this happened when pokemon go was a big thing but yeah cbc cbc news filed an access to information request at the time and now more than three years later the canadian department of national defense released 471 pages of internal documents related to Pokemon <laughs> Go. It's so that they could hide that one email that they found. That was, I, I don't actually don't know, know what, what a Pokey Gym is. <laughs> We've got the documents, people. Yeah. They, they, they don't even know what a Pokestop is. There's been one dogged reporter at the CBC <laughs> keeping this. 
<laughs> we should also say this this story comes to us from friend of the pod uh rachel thank you rachel for thank sending, you, us, rachel. Yeah. sending this to us it rules yeah if you if, if any listeners have any juicy articles like this please please send us uh an email at ironweedspod at gmail.com I, I, I have a a big cigar in my mouth and i got suspenders on and pounding the table like i need more stories about the pokemon go <laughs> <laughs> bring me the spider-man Oh, okay. uh, the suddenness and the virality of the game uh, caused a public uh, reaction to happen in enough uh, uh, numbers in, in enough distributed places such that the military couldn't respond in time. And that is incredibly <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's like, huh. and possibly instructive. <laughs> <laughs> like that really allowed for a lot of, uh, you know, decentralized uh, participation in a uh, in a centralized organization of uh, human uh, movement. Really well, so what, one month after the app was available for download, the Pentagon urged United States military troops and other defense personnel to remove the game from government issued cell phones after reports that users distracted by the virtual Pokemon were getting injured while walking or driving. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, was it like on on bases or like is this like out in the field like you know they're like trying to catch to sh a sand shrew and like hit an ied or something I, I, can, I can look if you want actually it's got a link to another article from military times it's a good the thing pentagon has banned pokemon go from official military phones um it's a good thing that that article designated virtual pokemon right you don't, get, you don't get hurt when you're catching the real ones no no well, they're, they're they're keeping those ones secret yes the us. government is keeping the real pokemon from us <laughs> just what? like the flat earth yeah well that's, <laughs> that's what's in area 51 it's pikachu <laughs> pikachu's in area Wait, 51 and the title, the title of this article <laughs> <laughs> title of this article very cute pika who <laughs> how pokemon go confused the canadian military so you know i mean you want to talk about like effective uh, ag agitation, um, 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 praxis. You know, like like what? As I said, what then must we do? Yeah. We need a really good like young fireball of an app developer to come up with some kind of game to massively mobilize the United States citizenry to shut down military installations all over the country, weapons manufacturing plants. Uh, anybody got any ideas? Again, email us, ironweedspot at gmail.com. Let's get this thing in development. Let's yeah. get it on the app store. Let's make this happen. I love it. It's like, it's like organizing uh, Antifa on Club Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon, go stop the Iran war. <laughs> When you think about it, penguins are really good for Antifa because they're already like half dressed in black. That's a good point. So yeah. they, they don't really need to do much melts. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Get a little balaclavas for the penguins. <laughs> yeah. That would be so cute. Their little beak poking out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. And you also, you can't put a pair of handcuffs on a penguin. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Zip ties. Pe yeah. None yeah. of it's And they're work. slippery. So it'll just whoop. And it's like. You know, penguins underwater are so amazing to watch. Yeah, like, yeah. I love that. Penguins can graphic. fly, but Except it's Except for underwater. when a sea lion gets to them. I oh, don't yeah. like that. Yeah, no. Those are sad. Cool for the sea lion, though. Yeah, they gotta eat. 
Everybody got to eat. Everybody got to eat. Very true. Yo, I watched a video today of a, a stork just picking up one of its chicks and throwing it out of the nest. Oh, to shit. To improve the survival chances of the other two chicks. Wow. That was wild. Harsh yeah, world dude. out there. Once again, this is a wildflower, and now yeah, this yeah. time I'm guilty of turning it dark. Um, you ever see the, the video of a, of a, a pelican eating a bird? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, like trying to get out of <laughs> the like, bottom. Yeah, it's yeah, it just flapping all around. Oh, did I say pelican? It was a stork. I'm sorry. I should have uh, said stork. No, you didn't. You didn't. Oh, I didn't no, say you stork. said stork. Oh, okay, I'm, okay, I, okay. But, I'm just, but yeah, that video also. Rolls. I don't see bird races. <laughs> all birds look the same to me. <laughs> oh, man. Speciation. Oh, shit. Oh, imagine um, if Darwin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These finches, they look all the same to me. I don't even notice. I don't even notice. They're all just finches to me. Uh, so what do you think, boys? That yeah, that was fun. Sufficient. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. sounded like a like a good stopping point. Uh, thanks everybody who's listening, and uh, thanks to all of our supporters uh, on Patreon. And if you wanted to uh, become one of those supporters, it would uh, significantly help us uh, continue to make funny material and. Uh, additional material on top of that and you could support us by going to patreon.com slash ironweeds yeah and if yeah. you want to give us a one-time donation you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds and we're thirst traps on all the major <laughs> social media yeah you can uh, find us on twitter ironweeds pod find us on instagram ironweeds pod and uh yeah if you wanted to give us a one-time donation on buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds um that would also be cool um but yeah um i guess you know, any any parting words? Do you think anyone has ever rated and reviewed a podcast at the moment that they were requested to do so by the podcast host? I have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. have. Okay. Be like Brittany. Be like me. Yeah. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Rate us and review us. And be, be excellent to one another. Yeah. Uh, do. Yeah. People are, you know, there's a lot of stress out there in the world. Like whether, you know, people are suffering the... The, the incarcerated state and uh, the injustice system or or have some poor member of their family that is about to be shipped off potentially to a new, uh, you know, front on our global uh, imperial war machine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like pe- people are, are uh, I don't know, we need to be excellent to one another. And you know what else I'll say? Be excellent to yourself. It's January. A lot of folks have New Year's resolutions out there. It's hard to stick to them. And if you find yourself slipping on something, you know, maybe you're not posting enough. Um, you're not rating and reviewing enough on maybe iTunes. Maybe you're not rating and reviewing enough uh, podcasts. Maybe your diet's not going great. Like, don't beat yourself up. And you know what? If you fall off the horse. You can always rate and review us ha- tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, yeah. And it's a very stressful time. So be kind to yourself in any way that you're able to. And yeah. also be kind to others. Unless they're Nazis, in which case punch them in their fucking faces. Which allegedly, could be, which could be a New Year's I resolution. Advocate. I don't know. We yeah. don't advocate for any kind of violent acts. Oh no, I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying it could be. You know, I'm just putting right. that out there as a possibility. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Peace.